The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to the POD cast, the live POD Pride of Detroit podcast live on twitch.tv slash pride of detroit coming to you this week the week before free agency the week before things get kicked into high gear but we have a podcast to take care of before all that sort of stuff happens my name is jeremy reisman i'm the managing editor here at pride of detroit i am the i always forget it every week i'm the interim coach there we go of this pod cast r.i.p chris uh and he's not dead he's just not he's not dead anymore. let's make that clear he's not <laughs> dead to our, our knowledge at this moment he's not dead i'm not trying to imply that but we miss him uh and that other voice you hear that is ryan matthews at ryan underscore pod on twitter ryan how are we doing tonight that was quite the introduction chris isn't dead here's ryan <laughs> <laughs> i'm a master of segues <laughs> Oh, it's, add that it's, to my uh, title. Yeah, that's that's an awesome tag. I think interim coach and master of segways, and don't even talk about segways as in an auditory thing. It's like master of riding around on segways, like yes, mall cop. dude. I have always wanted to ride one of those things, and I never have gotten the chance. Shh, you're I, blowing your cover as master of segways. <laughs> oh, <laughs> didn't. I don't know if this is true or not, but there was always a rumor going around that the inventor of a Segway died on the Segway. Yeah, I didn't know if that was a lot like Keenan or Kel. Like Kel died from like drinking too much orange soda. <laughs> Kel is also not dead. Let's be clear here. We're, yeah. we're just pronouncing people dead who are not dead. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. But I don't know about that Segway rumor, but that would be that would be that'd be a terrible thing to happen. That'd be like you dying while recording the podcast. Well, stay tuned, guys. You never know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, as you can tell, it's it's getting deep into the off season, and we are running out of things <laughs> to talk about. But this uh, on this episode, we actually kind of have an interesting uh, game type of thing that we're going to play. Basically, the the whole theme of this week's podcast is the one year turnaround. Um, we're looking into three twelve and one Lions team desperate to turn things around quickly now that the GM and the head coach or, you know, whether they're under a mandate or an ultimatum or whatever, 
regardless, third year in the NFL, you should have results by now. So we're going to talk about what kind of moves could help make that one-year turnaround, how realistic a one-year turnaround is for this roster, all that sort of stuff. And like I said, in in a little bit, we'll get to the game. Um, But first, I just want to talk about this idea of the one-year turnaround because it's a popular one. It's one that, you know, not every Lions fan think is possible, but they hold on to a team like the, the San Francisco 49ers who had the second overall pick last year. They were, they were coaching at the senior bowl last year. Obviously they make it to the super bowl this year. Um, do, do you think it's realistic or, or possible? Um, maybe not probable, but possible for the lions to pull off a one year turnaround um, this year. I think that's just the nature of the NFL. So I don't think that mm-hmm. it's anything super special case as in the 49ers last year, or even Mm -hmm. the, you can make the argument that the Chicago bears the year before that. Sure. You get some talent and all of a sudden the, the bounces, the, the breaks that didn't go your way the year before, all of a sudden they do as in like the bears from two years ago, they had one of the highest turnover differentials and all of a sudden they were 11 and five and they won won the NFC North. Right. You know, last year happens and that number obviously regresses and the bears are suddenly one of the like non-factors in the NFC. I'm not saying that's going to happen to the San Francisco 49ers because it seems like they're a team that's built for much more longevity in terms of their success and being sustained. But I think it's totally in the cards for the Detroit lions, whether or not they can, whether or not it's plausible. And and we'll talk about that when we get to our game. I do think that it's possible in, in a way that the lions can go from being a three 12 and one team to being a team who truly can, can look back at their record in 2019 and, and point to that statistic that said the lions were, you know, in every game until the fourth quarter. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I, half of them, yeah, they had leads in like half the games. They were super competitive in some games against teams like, I don't know, the eventual Super Bowl champions. Right. There's there's stuff there. Now it's just a matter of hitting the right notes in free agency, hitting the right notes in the draft, and then and then things kind of taking themselves off from there. Yeah, and I, th- I think you're right in that. Like, their margin for error is low. They, they can't mess up a lot of things. They can't have a Jesse James type contract in this free agency period. They can't Mm -hmm. get, you know, uh, a first round pick that takes until year two or year three to bloom. They they need an impact guy. Now they need to hit on all their free agency things. But the one thing I want to push back and I I know I just said the theme of today's episode is going to be the one year turnaround. It's a little bit of a misnomer, I would say, because this team has been building for the last two years, not, not necessarily in an upward trajectory, but they've been building um, it's a mm-hmm. culture build. It's um, it's about getting the guys in place for their system. It's year three now. So those things need to take place. They they need to show that this is a, a positive build, but to, to think that everything needs to happen this off season is not, it's not really true because you think of a guy like Trey flowers, he's going to play a Jurassic park. You think of um, Jelani Tavai and, and Tracy Walker, some of these draft picks that were were made in this era making a big impact. Now this has been a gradual, a very, very gradual rebuild, but they have a lot of work to do this off season. So while we're, we're saying it's a one year rebuild, it's really been or one year turnaround. It, it's really been leading up to this moment and whether they can kind of put the cap on it to, to actually have it happen and actually become a, a competitor that wins and not just competes. 
Um, that all depends on a lot of moves. And I think we're just about ready to get into what some of those moves may be. Are you ready to, to start? Yeah, let's knock it out. All right. Should, I think I should have you kind of introduce this because this was you, you pitched this idea to me. So I don't know how comfortable you are with game show host. I mean, what was it last week that we did the game show where I just made up points and we tied? Uh, yeah, I think that was a couple of weeks ago when we played this or that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to so, act as game show or do you want this to be a more casual conversation? Here's Chunky. Here, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll knock it out for you. Okay, so here's, here's the name of the game for this week. The name of the game for this week is called Move the Needle. And as Jeremy had just been describing, the Lions are in this really precarious spot where they have a a one-year mandate to become a playoff contender, whatever that means. So let's take the let's take the uh, scenario that the Detroit Lions have something that happens. Does that move the needle for you, whether or not it makes them closer to playoff contenders, keep them about the same, or does it not really move the needle at all? And it's not something that would have a huge impact on the Detroit Lions' ability to be playoff contenders. So how do these moves that Jeremy is going to throw out their hypothetical ones. How are these ones going to move the needle for the Detroit lions in the 2020 season? Good description. Let's start it off with what I think a lot of people, especially like if we were to ask people three months ago, you know, late December, what's the most ideal scenario in this off season, they would say drafting chase young. That's the number one thing that can happen to this franchise. Does drafting chase young move the needle enough for the lines to, to get towards that one year turnaround. Obviously one move alone, isn't going to, okay, they fixed it. Anything like that, but drafting chase young, how big of a first step is that in, in building this one season off season, one off season turnaround? I think if you look around the NFL and you say, add chase young to this roster, does it make this team better than the team? It was a year ago. And I think that you can look around a lot of NFL franchises and say that Chase Young undoubtedly makes them a better team. Whether that has a tangible impact on their team, a la the San Francisco 49ers and them drafting Nick Bosa, that remains to be seen for the Detroit Lions because I think it does. I think there is something to the argument that Bill Belichick and whether or not Matt Patricia is a total and complete disciple from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. If they value edge rushers, the way that everybody else values edge rushers. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's to say that Matt Patricia looks at a player like chase young and says, nah, he'd be nice. Like you should figure out a way to make chase young, the focal point of any part of a defense, because he does the one thing that I think is, will always be at a premium, no matter what type of NFL team you're running. He can get after the quarterback and he's no slouch when it is when it comes to run defending. So I think that those two things combined, that makes him a that makes him a unicorn. And I think he is I think he is the unicorn in this draft. So I think that Chase Young moves the needle for me in the direction that the Lions could turn things around faster than not if they had an opportunity to add him to their football team. I think that he makes them closer to becoming a playoff contender than some of the alternatives. I think that he's a, I think that he's a more immediate impact player than Jeffrey Okuda. I think that he is for sure as hell a, a more of an impact player than Derek Brown. And I don't care if it's Matt Patricia's defense or if it's anybody else's defense, 
I think that he makes more of an immediate impact than any other rookie in this draft class for any football team. And that includes the Detroit lions, even a team that might not value edge rushers the same way that other teams do. Yeah. And to, to address that point right there is you're right. I don't think necessarily the lions uh, value an edge guy as much as, as some other teams do. In fact, it's one of the very first things I wrote about Matt Patricia after the Lions hired him. Um, but chase young is a guy where I think they would still love because he's so versatile. He can play Jack. He can play down defensive end. Hell, on obvious passing downs, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Lions move in, him inside too, uh, like Deshaun Hanton. Just move him all over the place because he's that big of a threat. You don't want to take him off the off the field for sure, and and you probably still want uh, a guy like Devon Kennard on the field to, for potential you know, coverage things and things like that. Um, but I also want to go back to the 49ers comparison because it's kind of ridiculous how comparable their situation last year is to where the lines were now. Um, and I, I went back and like, let's look at that 49ers team and, and how did they turn it around specifically how they turn it around on defense? Because I, I think a lot of people are like, well, I, I think part of the reason they, they improved was Jimmy Garoppolo was out in 2018. He was back in 2019. Sure. That had an impact and sure. That's also a very big comparable to, to the lines who, who missed Matthew Stafford for eight games. And we'll hopefully have him for 16 this upcoming season. Um, but I, I found the CSPN article with this exact paragraph. When quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo tore his ACL in, the, in his left knee in game three last season, the 49ers essentially gave up 13 games of experience in exchange for the number two pick in the 2019 NFL draft. That pick would eventually become defensive end Nick Bosa. And what were the results? The 49ers went from 23rd in defense DVOA, DVOA in 2018, 27th in pass defense sound familiar to second in overall defense DVOA and second in pass defense. Now, is it fair to put that all on Joey Bosa? Of course not. Of course not. Nick Bosa. Sorry. Um, <laughs> they also added Quan Alexander D Ford. They already had guys like Eric Armstrong and, and, and Eric Armstrong and, and DeForest Buckner. But the Lions also have a couple pieces in place, too, on defense. They, they have Trey Flowers. They have Deshaun Hand. Obviously, they're, they're going to need a lot of interior guys that they'll get. I just think we've seen too many examples of a premier edge rusher changing everything about this team's, uh, about a team's identity. It, it happened with the 49ers. It's happened with other guys. Um, both Bosa boys really turned around their franchise's pass rush. And that can do so much for a team that it's something that I don't think the lines are going to pass on, even if they need a nose tackle, even if they need a cornerback, even if they trade Darius Slay. I think this is a move that, that, that yeah, absolutely moves the needle. No mm -hmm. question. Yeah. So in summation, Chase Young, good. Yes. Pretty yeah. good. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do we want to move on to a second? Yeah. Uh, potential. Okay our second uh, potential move that moves the needle. And I just mentioned it is moving on from Darius Slay, trading Darius Slay. Now, obviously in the immediacy, it doesn't make the lines better to lose one of their better players, but obviously you're getting something in return. Obviously you're, you're unloading some salary off, off your books, um, potentially moving on from a player that, that is potentially unhappy. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Darius Slay being traded and, and how that impacts this team's ability to, to have a one-year turnaround? 
Yeah. So there, I think there are a couple of dominoes that you have to sort of prognosticate and you have to sort of set out to see if this is something that would actually benefit the Detroit Lions. And it takes a lot of hypotheticals falling into place. But we just saw AJ Bouye get traded for for a, a price tag that would make a lot of Lions fans turn their nose at any Darius Slay trade, right? No question. Yeah. And and what was the compensation again? Fourth rounder, I believe. Yeah. Fourth round pick for AJ Bouye, one of the guys who was considered one of the top cornerbacks before he ended up making his way to, to Jacksonville. He was probably one of the top five cornerbacks, according to PFF, in in the year that he was with the Houston Texans and then and then made the made the leap over to the Jaguars in free agency. Now, if the Lions were to get something like a, I don't know, say that the value maxes out at a third round pick for Darius Slay. Reasonable. I, I think that that really forces the hand of the Detroit Lions at number three to take Jeffrey Okuda. Right. Unless something happens in free agency where the team can get Byron Jones or the team has enough confidence that Chris Harris Jr. You know what? He played outside in Vic Vangio's system. It didn't really work for him, but you know what? It's a, the Lions are clearly a team that covets him and right. they coveted him at a time when they had Darius Slay and they had Justin Coleman and everybody says that Justin Coleman is your nickel cornerback. Well, Chris Harris Jr. is the maybe the best nickel cornerback of their modern era. So how do you reconcile those things? Clearly, the Lions do not care. Clearly, the Lions just value his talent and want him to come play football for them. Right. So I... Maybe they go out and get a Byron Jones in free agency. Maybe they go out and get a Chris Harris Jr. in in free agency. Maybe they break the bank for James Bradbury, who wants just as much money as Darius Slay. He's looking for at least $16 million a season. The cornerback market's going to be insane for free agency. Now, I know that they still have Darius Slay for one year. I think that if you trade Darius Slay, it moves the needle in the opposite direction. I think you become less of a playoff contender regardless of the type of moves that you make, say they go out and they get, say they go out and get a Byron Jones, say they go out and then they still use the third overall pick and and get Jeff Okuda. Well, they're still kind of hard up for a pass rush. Have you addressed that yet? Did your linebackers get any better? Cause I still don't have faith in that corpse. Yeah. C O R P S E. Okay. And then, and then that's just a common theme for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think that there's still a lot of question marks to be had and, and to figure themselves out on the offensive side of the ball. So I, I just don't think that trading Darius Lay trading who is most likely your best player, not named Matthew Stafford, you trade that guy away. And I don't think that there's a direct route to getting better. I think that there's a windy path, but man, you have to take a lot of those corners perfectly in order to end up in, in a spot where you're a playoff contender in 2020. I'm, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here because I mostly agree with what you said there. But I think we have to face some unfortunate truth with Darius Slay. One being that last year was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not good. He, he's, not, he's not a bad overall corner and he's still playing in an above average level, although PFF's grade would certainly argue that, that he wasn't an average cornerback last year. But we also have to consider just how effective has the secondary been with him? And again, I'm not saying he's a bad cornerback. 
And I'm not saying that um, the, the team is better without him necessarily, but there might need to be some changes to be had. And if a guy doesn't want to be here, um, if a guy wants $18 million a year, I'm not sure that's a great way to spend um, your money. Now, that would likely force Lions hands in the first round, which means not addressing other needs. And that's a bad thing. Um, but getting fresh meat out there, getting more depth out there, getting more options so that if Darius Slay goes down, if Nevin Lawson or not Nevin Lawson, if whoever the CB two of this team is goes down, this team needs depth because that's really, I mean, you, you look at the, the games in which Darius Slay didn't play and they're almost, there's, there's, there's essentially no difference. I mean, one of those games with Kansas City, right? Mm-hmm. They actually held up kind of well in that game. And so is Darius Slay the $17, $18 million guy that changes the identity of this defense? I'm not sure he is. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a really fair argument to make that Darius Slay at his age, at his price tag, does he make this team that much better? Like, is right. it going out and getting a top tier free agent? I still think he is. I see. I, I still think he is that guy. I think that he probably had a down year. He dealt with some injuries again. So I, I guess that's also clearly a concern for anybody that you're going to give another contract because he's not getting any younger, but I still just think that this team isn't any better for losing Darius Slay. And I guess that's just where I kind of draw the line with that. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation with Slay. We've talked about it plenty of times. Mm-hmm. There's there's no real clear answer for this team, and I think that's why they're dragging their feet on everything. It's why they're, as in their own words, leaving everything on the table, whether it's trying to keep him around for the year that's left on his contract without signing an extension, signing an extension, trading him. Um, mm-hmm. the, the one thing I don't think they'll do is just cut him, but you never know, I guess. Um, and, yeah. and I think a lot depends on the return that they may get because I, I don't think they do a deal for a fourth round pick. I don't think they even do it for a third round pick. I think they're going to need a second round pick. And I'm not saying Bouye has made that impossible for them. I think Slay's better than Bouye. I think, um, I think he has more potential left in his career, but I, I, I just don't know if they're going to get a second. I feel like that's what they were aiming for the trade deadline. And if they didn't get it, then I don't really see them getting it here. Yeah, I'm not sure where the I'm not sure where the value gets any better because you get one you get one less half season of Darius Slay without right. having to re up for him. So I truly, it, in, in, even if they do get a deal made for Darius Slay, I think that any team that's going after him is going to be a team like the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, you could see the Rams try to make a push for him. And they only have so much to offer because they've traded all of their other draft picks to get players right. like Jim Ramsey and you know Dante Fowler and all these other guys that they've accumulated and, and put together because they are under that quarterback rookie contract, or they, at least they were with Jared Goff. And now that he's got an extension, everybody found out that he's really just Trent Dilfer with a, with a really good <laughs> coach. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think that my, my point is though, that I think even if you, if you trade Darius Lay, it's going to be to a team that's probably going to be like a late second round pick. Right. Or, you know, if you do get lucky, it's going to be like a later third round pick. And then all of a sudden, well, it's basically a fourth round pick or it's basically a third round pick. 
Right. So, all right. With that, I think we're going to move on to the next segment. We have one more hypothetical on this one year turnaround game plan. Uh, so if you're interested and I think you're going to be interested, we've talked about it once on, uh, I think it was first by this scenario, which I like a lot. Um, but we're going to get to it when we come back from the POD cast. So stick around. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back with the POD cast. The theme of this week's episode, again, the one-year turnaround. How are the Lions going to go from 3-12-1 to playoff contender, quote-unquote? Well, one potential option and and we're playing does this move the needle or not regarding um, potential moves to make that one year turnaround is what I'm calling the double trade down or it could just be a trade out of the top 10 whatever you put on whatever you want to call it the lines essentially taking that first pick first round pick third overall and turning it into a bunch of assets rather than going for the blue chip player um the idea being that maybe it's more worthwhile, especially in a one year turnaround to get four or five picks in that top 60 rather than just one or two. And both of those two guys being potentially, you know, top 30 picks or so mm-hmm. Ryan, we, we went over a scenario like this a couple of weeks ago when we did our mock drafts on first bite. What are your feelings on that idea right now? Does that I, move think, uh, I think that there is a certain point right in which trading down doesn't net you the impact player that the lions need. It takes you out of the race for chase young or Jeff Okuda or Isaiah Simmons. If you view him as being that guy and then you're left with like the second tier of the draft talent. This is such a tough question. (laughs) This is such a tough question. Yeah, well, this isn't this or that. This is move the needle. Okay, so move the needle. I think that if the Lions were to trade back and accumulate, you know, a bunch of picks within the top the top 100 versus what they have now. I think that moves the needle in the opposite direction. I think that makes them less of a chance to be a playoff contender. And I say that because they absolutely need an impact player. Like I'm almost of the belief that they need Chase Young or they need Jeff Okuda 
And if they swing and if they, if they swing and miss and they don't, and they don't get either of those guys, Derek Brown is not coming to save this franchise in one year. (laughs) And does Isaiah Simmons play enough of a role in this lion's defense to be a true playmaker impact player in the sense that Jeff Okuda or Chase Young would be? I don't know if I can answer that question, but I definitely don't think that adding all those draft picks makes you better because those are just more rookies. Right. And okay. So that's the ultimate conundrum I'm having here is because do I think this moves the needle long-term? Absolutely. In the right direction. No, totally agree. I think this is, I think this is the right move if you have your long-term uh, view in mind. But if you're talking about year one and you're relying on four or five rookies that you get in the first and second round to, to immediately turn around this franchise, you need to look again at rookie impact. In, in the NFL, you need to, I mean, just, just look at the lions. Like we're still expecting some guys like Jelani Tavai, second round pick didn't have much of a positive impact last year. Not saying he's a bust, not saying he's a bad player, but it's his rookie year. It took a while for him to get his feet wet. The lions had to kind of throw him right into the mix because of Jared Davis's early injury. And it didn't go that great. Um, if we're talking about four, let, let's say four guys in the first two rounds, you, you trade out of the top 10, you get a bunch of picks. You get a lot of talent out there. You get a lot of guys who could potentially grow into starters. And, you know, that's great. You'll have starters on rookie contracts for the next three, four years. That's awesome. That's a great way to build a team. That's a great way to build a franchise. Great way to build a culture. All those things. But if you're talking first year impact, I'm not sure um, you, that that's necessarily the right route to go. And and Bob Quinn has said specifically, you know, he's he's trying to keep both in mind. He's not with this ultimatum or whatever you want to call it. He's not necessarily just building for the immediacy. He's not just building for year 2020. Um, he, he wants to keep the, the, the future in mind. And honestly, I believe him, even though his job's on the line, I do believe him. I do believe he's smart enough because if he s- sells out for 2020 and it works out well, but he doesn't plan for the future. Well, guess what? He's right there back on the hot seat in 2021 when the team sucks again. So he, he does need to kind of keep both in mind and just, kind of trust his own process that things are going to work out with the slow methodical method that they've been building over the past two years. And I don't know, going back to the original question, it's still not something I would necessarily mind. Um, as we always kind of say, and as, as a rule of thumb, more lottery tickets are best than less lottery tickets. And even the guys like Chase Young or Jeff Okuda, if we're talking year one, and we're talking one guy instead of four guys. Well, what if that one guy gets injured in training camp? Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, putting all your hopes on one or two guys is always a danger in the draft. And while I, I do worry that trading down would not get you the high impact guy that will impact this team immediately in 2020, you know, be that guy that everyone's watching in training camp and, and immediately makes an impact in week one and then beyond, because we've seen maybe a guy, play really well in training camp really well in week one. Um, and then maybe not have much of a rookie impact beyond that. TJ Hackerson. Um, I think a guy like Jeff Okuda or, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, or Chase Young could be that guy. But again, you're, you're lying all on one or two guys. So I, I actually think I'm still going to say this moves the needle in the positive direction, but not as much as drafting a Chase Young would. Fair enough. I think that you, participated in this game adequate adequately 
Okay. So I'm filling in, filling in the shoes. Okay. You're doing just fine. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for that game move the needle, but I do have one more kind of extra topic and it's not necessarily related to the one year turnaround. It's more related to this year's draft, which I mean, I guess you could tie it in with the one year turnaround, but I've seen a couple of people grow a little critical of, of the lions off season already, which of course, I mean, Lions fans are going to do that. Nothing's actually happened yet. It's not even done anything yet. It's not even the new league year yet, but with as emphatic as, as Bob Quinn has spoken about, spoken out about Matthew Stafford trade rumors and everything. It looks pretty clear at this point that Tua Tango Vilo is not part of this team's plans with the first overall pick. And we're seeing it. We're seeing, you know, draft analysts kind of diverge from, from that pick in their mock drafts. Not that mock drafts are necessarily a, a reflection of reality or anything like that, but it's starting to look less and less likely that the Lions are taking Tongo Vailoa. And while I think that's the right move, is it the right move to put it out there publicly? Is it the right move to essentially tell all 31 other teams, hey, we're not doing this. You don't have to worry about it. Have the Lions taken away their own mystery, taken away their own smokescreen? Has it negatively affected their ability to get the guy that they actually want at the top of the draft? Yeah, I I think it's an interesting question, Jeremy. I think it's an interesting case study in how to work a draft 101. But I think it was so important for Bob Quinn to come out and make those trade rumors about Matthew Stafford go away that he almost had to kind of double down in a way. I think the third overall pick sells itself. Joe Burrow is going number one overall. Washington's going to do what they're going to do. If they're interested in taking to a Tongvailoa, well, then Chase Young is right there for you at number three, and you don't have to worry about trading the pick. If they end up taking Chase Young, guess what? All the quarterbacks that you could want that are not named Joe Burrow, still available at number three. So the route to the next quarterback always goes through Detroit. Whether or not Washington takes Tua or they don't, the next quarterback off the board of those four there there are four guys that I think are really considered first round draft prospects with Burrow, Tua, <clears throat> Jordan Love, and Justin Herbert. I think that those guys are all bona fide first round picks. They're all going to get taken in the first round. The route to one of those guys goes through Detroit mathematically. So I think that if Detroit wants to move up, they can, or if Detroit wants to move back, they can do that, and teams are welcome to move up, regardless of how they feel about Tua. I think yeah. that Bob Quinn truly had to do a lot of damage control. I, I think you're absolutely right to there completely. Um, Bob wanted to protect his quarterback that he clearly believes in. And you could tell that it had hurt the Stafford family a little bit, at least his wife, who, who obviously was not very happy with rumors, with you know speculative articles, anything like that. And so, yeah, I think it's important for him to show that respect for his own player that he believes in, that Matt Patricia obviously believes in. And in terms of how it affects the draft, you never know. I think all the points you brought up were smart. I think also, I mean, you could say this, like maybe teams don't believe him. We saw, we saw reports coming out of the combine that teams thought Stafford wanted out. Not, you know, basically teams don't know anything. And, and whether Bob Quinn is being facetious or not, I think it's pretty clear to us people who've been around the situation for a long time, that he's not, that he, he does believe that Matthew Stafford's his guy and he, he wanted to protect him and, and all that stuff. You just never know what's going to happen in the draft. 
And while maybe if the Lions proceeded like, ooh, we like to a lot, maybe if they they bring him in for one of the 30 visits and all that sort of stuff, maybe it convinces a team that they are a real player for Tua still. Maybe a team jumps them and, and takes Tua and there, Chase Young is there right there in their lap. Maybe all that still happens. Um, I just think, I think the public, you know, smokescreen stuff, I think that's a little bit overplayed. I think it it doesn't have as much of an effect as, as people think. And so it, it always makes me laugh when people are like, guys, why are you reporting this stuff? Why are you throwing out articles saying that the Lions don't need to, or that the Lions love Matthew Stafford? You're, you're ruining their smokescreen. It's like, first of all, I'm flattered that you think we have that sort of impact on anyone else's draft board. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> awesome. I can't believe we have that kind of pull. <laughs> um, but I, I, I mean, you have to take everyone's word from the G from GM, anyone within the organization from basically the Super Bowl on as potential BS. So whatever Bob Quinn comes out there and says, some people are going to read it as true. Some people are going to read it as BS and it doesn't really matter what you say. That's my yeah. thought on it. Yeah. I, I, I think the only team that really had an opportunity to create a smoke screen per se is really Washington. And I think that they're doing it to the fullest extent by having a lot of situational things line up. New right. GM, new yeah. head coach. Hey, I mean, we're open to having a quarterback competition. I think that's totally plausible. You've seen that happen time sure. and time before in the NFL. So, I mean, that's truly a smoke screen. I get putting, it, but putting your franchise quarterback out there on the trade block. Right. Dispelling Tua rumors. You might not even, you might not even have the opportunity to take Tua because mathematically it doesn't work out that way. <laughs> I guess with me, like I don't really understand if Washington is throwing a smoke screen out there with the Tua stuff. I'm not sure what their end game is there though, because no one's, no one's going to trade above them. Right. No one's going to trade with the trade and try to get, to a, or, or, or Burrow or whatever. Like what, what exactly is Washington's end game by just being mysterious right now? Just, just being mysterious and, and having everyone below them just kind of waiting with bated breath. And I don't know, maybe you can get a trade out of that. Just being mysterious and be like, Oh, well, if you don't trade with us, we're going to take two or we're going to take chase or we're going to take Okuda or whatever they're going to do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, exactly. And that, <laughs> it's weird though, because Detroit's smokescreen relies so heavily on Washington. Right. Right. Like, yeah. So all in just don't know, just, just don't, don't know. know. And, and guess what? We only have to deal with this fodder for one more week because we <laughs> free things will free actually free happen. Yeah, some new teams are actually going to get new quarterbacks, and then we'll stop talking about the Lions potentially trading with them. Like the Colts could go out and get Drew Brees. I don't know. I'm just throwing names out there at this point because that's all we do between January and and March, and it's a huge waste of time. But we appreciate you wasting your time with us. Uh, and when we come back, we are going to treat you guys to a treat and answer your mailbag questions. Stick around; we'll be right. Back.
mailbag. Hashtag SPOD. If you have any questions for us, you can send it to us on Twitter at any time. We will scoop them all up and read them back to you either on our Sunday or Monday podcast. Um, we, we like to answer at least like somewhere between five and 10. So feel free to send as many as you want. We like to answer some silly ones too. Um, so if we get to this point in the off season, we've addressed just about every single possible scenario. We like to break the monotony with something a little goofy. So feel free to throw some of those our way too. But I think this week we're getting more serious. So let's, uh, let's start out. I think people are getting a little eager now that we're really close to free agency. But let's start with the draft one from CC5 on our Pride of Detroit comment section. He asks, what's the worst possible scenario for the Lions at pick number three? It has to be realistic. Ryan, I think I already know your answer, but let me hear it. It rhymes with Barrick Drown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I see that. I think offensive tackle is a little bit worse for me. I think offensive tackle is bad because there's no direct route to that player immediately playing, yeah. right? Because the Lions still have Rick Wagner as of now. Taylor Decker is still their left tackle. Yeah. There's no direct route to that player playing right from the start. But man, drafting Derek Brown as a top three talent would be such such a mess up. <laughs> I'm trying I mean, to keep it PG, but like it'd, it'd be, it'd be such a disaster to take a run stuffing nose tackle with the third overall pick when in this scenario, how isn't Jeff Okuda on the board? And if Jeff Okuda is on the board and the Lions take Derek Brown, man, I really hope that I'm on the first floor of any building that I'm in <laughs> the ground. All right. Well, um, let's just make sure that if we throw a draft party, it only has one floor. Um, <laughs> and there are no windows and there are no windows and we're going to keep all the sharp objects away from your table. Uh, n- I, I mean, I get that and I, I get the value argument. I do understand that it looks, it's horrible optics after taking a tight end with the eighth overall pick last year to again, take a questionable value pick at third overall. And so I'm very staunchly against it as well but he's also kind of a perfect fit. <laughs> just throwing that out there just again. Pay, I, 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 just pay DJ reader and be done with it. I know that'll make you happy. I will. That will make me happy. Uh, I, I, I think I feel like I always have to play devil's advocate with you because we were kind of on the same page here, but no. We, uh, yeah, I, I get that. Speaking of DJ Reader, our next question son, comes from Son of Spartacus, who asks, after DJ Reader, who is next on your wish list for free agents? Who is next on my wish list of free agents? Now, I think one of the most interesting developments of the offseason so far has been Jeremy's absolute raging crush on DJ Reader. It's so totally out of character for him, I think. Like, I don't, think, I don't think I don't think you I, I never really see you have these infatuations with like specific players. Yeah. And well, just out I, of I nowhere, try, DJ Reader. I try to protect myself from falling in love with a player, especially in the draft, because if you do it in the draft, there's like a 99 percent chance that player is not going to be on your team and like a 98 percent chance he's going to go to the Chicago Bears. 
So, <laughs> or the Green Bay Packers, <laughs> right? And I, I, I take the same philosophy with 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 free agency sometimes, but with with there being more like evidence out there of these guys being NFL players, I can feel a little bit more confident in my evaluation of these guys and knowing everyone's team needs and, and knowing the fact that DJ reader plays a position that not a lot of teams value as much as the Lions would makes it think, I mean, it just seems like a match made in heaven and I don't understand why the Lions wouldn't go after it unless cost is, is the biggest prohibitive in which case they probably go after a guy like Marcel Darius instead, which I'd also be totally fine with and totally happy with, but that guy's 30 compared to reader. Who's what? 25, 26. So, um, yeah, that, that's a big difference for me. Um, and Marcel Darius would also probably be my answer to this question. I know it's boring since it's the same position um, the DJ Reader plays, but look at this roster right now. They need three defensive tackles this offseason. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's where my mindset is right now. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how the Lions have not come that far from last offseason where they needed to br- improve their defensive line. <laughs> Here we yeah, are the, again. They just... It's it's weird though because no one thought they were going to strike out as badly as they did, right? Like everyone was on board for Mike Daniels. Everyone was on board for giving Damon Harrison a, a an extension. And Ashawn Robinson finished 2018 on an upward trend. So, it's not like I blame them for anything that happened in 2019 at defensive tackle, but they're right back where they started, so it's not great. Not great, Bob. Not great. Not great, Bob. Next question. Let's take this one from our Twitch chat. Why don't you hate the Rams logo? And I think this one's directed to me because I said, I don't think it's that bad. I don't understand why everyone is on hubbub. Do you feel the same or do you think it's trash? I couldn't care less. (laughs) Really? (laughs) The Los Angeles Rams. I think that it's kind of a bad logo, but just from the sense or just in the sense that like their old logo was fine. So what did they have to do? to go and change it. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I get the jokes. It looks like a comb over. I get the jokes that it's more like an LA chargers one. Cause it kind of looks like a lightning bolt, but like, it also looks like a Rams horn. So I don't know. What's the big, why does everyone hate it so much? I don't because know. I, it, I feel like it's something to are, be outraged by people like I being guess. outraged. I don't know. Like to me, it's just like, I feel I feel like people underestimate how hard it is to be a graphic designer. And it's I don't know, it's just it's fine. It's not it's not horrible. It's it, it's not like here's the thing, like I hate teams changing logos in general. It's just why why do you feel the need to upgrade the brand that much? You look at like the best logos in sports, they never change. Like look at the the the, the D the Tigers D that is stuck around for decades and decades and decades. That team is old as hell. And it's always been the English D that's a good logo. Well, well people, people loved being outraged when they changed the size of it on the hat though. <laughs> right. 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 Yep. So, I mean, you run into problems like that, but I, I totally agree, Jeremy, you look at the best logos in sports and they're all from yesteryear, like the Detroit Red Wings. Them. Yeah. Winged wheel. Classic. I mean, what's what's wrong with the Raiders logo? Like, would the Raiders ever need to do anything to their logo? I hope not. I hope not. Chat, stop laughing because I said just look at the D. Stop it. <laughs> You're better than this. 
You're better than this. <laughs> no, no, they're not. Neither am I. <laughs> All right, back to more questions. Yeah, before Jerry got to get off the D talk. Got to get off the D. <laughs> um. Anyways, <laughs> Dawes one 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 five on Twitter asks, "Shouldn't we treat this year as all or nothing? Because basically, isn't it? This, I mean, this goes nicely in with our our one year turnaround theme. How confident are you, Ryan, that if this team, let's say they go seven and nine, how confident are you? That's it." Oh, I'm not very confident that that's it. <laughs> I think seven and nine is close enough to being playoff contenders. Yeah. That an injury here or there, a bad call from the officials, which inevitably inevitably will happen because it's a Detroit Lions season, right? <laughs> Something will right. get labeled as a as an egregious call and that can be swept away as a game. Sure. I think seven and nine is too close, which is weird. And I know we're making very petty distinctions, but I think seven and nine is a big difference in six and 10. And I think also context will matter and it's going to matter how they perform within the division. It, are they, are they seven and nine, but they lost all, like all their divisional games or did they go seven and nine and they knocked off the Packers, the bears and the Vikings all at least once. Right. Although that, that's a much different season. Yeah. And injuries, obviously, like if Stafford goes down again and misses considerable time, that's that's another factor to throw in. Yeah. Let, let me ask you another question. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe this is a good question of the day, Fodder. So so pay attention. Oh, listening. What what would the Lions record in 2020 have to be for you to be sure that Matt Patricia is done? Well, this is just a matter of like, how high do I put that win total? Right. Yeah. Oh, and 16, obviously one and 15, obviously two and 14, obviously three and 13, obviously. Okay. <laughs> you were already showing pause at three wins, which is very concerning to me. I think any, I think five and 11 is probably the, I think that's the thing right out there. I think five and 11, I think if he's five and 11, I would be shocked if he didn't get fired. Six and 10, I would see the Lions trying to talk themselves into it or Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia selling their vision of another year and how close they are. But I, I for some reason, I just think five and 11 is not enough. Five, 10 and one, though, I might be able to get talked into that. What if they're one, one and 14? 14 ties. <laughs> Next I'm not question. even mad. I'm not even mad. That's just so impressive. <laughs> Uh, next question comes from Jay Jones in our comment section. He asked, besides Graham Glasgow and, and Don Mulebach, which current Lions free agent would you most like to see Quinn bring back for next season? Do you want me to run through a list real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Give me some names. We got Odia Bushi, obviously Danny Amadol has already been signed. Mike Daniels, Jeff Driscoll, Jermaine Curse, Darius Kilgo, Miles Kilbrew, Sam Martin, Rashawn Melvin, Ashawn Robinson, Logan Thomas, Kenny Wiggins, Tavon Wilson, J.D. McKissick, Jamie Matter are both restricted free agents. Mike Ford and D. Virgin are exclusive rights free agents. I'm going to say you can't do those ones because those are those guys are going to come back almost certainly. Yeah, yeah, those guys are as good as back. I, from just that list of names that you ran down, two names stand out to me. One, Ashawn Robinson. 
Don't know Ooh. what he's going to cost on the open market, but I think mm-hmm. that I think that, like you said, Jeremy, there are three spots that are open on this defensive line. Yep, it'd be pretty easy to fix that problem by bringing back a guy who is pretty good. I mean, he is what he is at this point. Like you know what you're going to get with Ashawn Robinson. My other name was Tavon Wilson. Yep, and I think I think between those two guys, those are the two guys that I would like. Well. Because Glasgow's off the table, yep. right? Like Glasgow Correct. and Don Muehlbeck. All right. Yep. Well, yeah, it's between those two. Tavon Wilson or, or Ashawn Robinson. What about you? It's Tavon Wilson without a question. I think this oh. team needs a veteran safety. You consider their safety outlook right now. It's not great. You know, we, we went into 2019. It's, it's kind of like defensive tackle. Like, wow, look at all these options at safety. They got Quandre Diggs. They got two second round picks and Tracy Walker and Will Harris. They got Andrew Adams, who was showing up in camp. They got Tavon Wilson. They had, and, and they had a couple special teams guys who they ended up keeping instead of some of those other guys. And now you're like, well, they've got Tracy Walker and hopefully, you know, things improve from the rookie season last year. And, and I think they need a veteran. They, they need an old guy who knows the system, who can coach his team. And as someone who personally watched Tavon Wilson become kind of a leader in that locker room, especially after the Quandre Diggs trade, I think he's almost one of the most important moves this team can make this offseason in, yeah. in free agency. Yeah, and, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of intangibilities with him, right? Right, absolutely. He's, he's very much a guy people look up to in that locker room. And he played, actually, I think at a really high level last year. Um, you know, not flashy plays, not a guy who's going to get you a lot of turnovers, but he's a great run defender, which we know they love. And he's a guy who understands what he needs to do out there and what the other guys around him need to do. And he's not, he, he doesn't have any glaring weaknesses either. And maybe even more importantly, the guy likes being here. The guy took a huge paid cut last off season to stay in Detroit. And while I think maybe this year is going to be a little bit different when it comes to free agency, I think the lines are going to be smart and try to go after him again. And and maybe they have to pay him a little more than they did last season. I think they absolutely have to. Yeah. I, I think Tavon Wilson's a great answer, especially because if you, if, if you are Bob Quinn and you're a Matt Patricia and you think that you have a legitimate chance at turning this thing around within one year, Tavon Wilson to bring back our game from earlier moves the needle in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But also that's like a long-term move too. Like that's another, that, that, that's another guy, like you said, mentorship. But that's also just a guy who totally fits the, the mold of what Matt Patricia wants every single one of his players to be like. Absolutely. All right, let's go to a silly question from my buddy, Harry. He asks, if you had to take a candy bar, if you wait, if you had to have a candy bar bar as a burger topping, what would make your gleek? What would make you gleek your beak? <laughs> <laughs> He has a way with words. Uh, I really do like that turn of phrase. Your beak. <laughs> Goose does that every time I lay down food. Um, is Butterfinger too predictable of an answer? Oh my god! Butterfinger Why? on uh, Butterfinger on tuck tuck in between two patties on a nice <sighs> double bacon cheeseburger. The couple, only couple thing it would butterfingers. The only thing it would bring is texture, which I admit is something that sometimes is lost in a burger. Which is, which is why people put like French fries and potato chips sometimes on sandwiches or or I burgers. Do that all the but, time. It's a great but move. That's a veteran that, move. That's not the right kind of texture. Like 
It's crispity. Stuck, it's it's crunchity. <laughs> How mad would you be, Jeremy, if I served you just a wonderful looking burger and you take one bite and you're like, is that Butterfinger? Like, how mad would you be on a scale of one to 10? You haven't had anything to eat all day. Sorry, I just totally jacked Harry's question, but... <laughs> no, this is fine. Uh, <laughs> nine and a half? If they were Butterfinger <laughs> BBs, maybe a 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those would just be messy. Right? <laughs> I'd probably accidentally swallow one. <laughs> See, I'm like maneuver. I have two answers to this question. One is kind of a technicality. One might be technically not allowed because because of the word candy bar. And I think there's a debate to be had whether a Reese's peanut butter cup is a candy bar or not. But peanut butter on a burger is a thing that happens. And I think it would be fine and perhaps even tasty. But if that's not a candy bar, which if you want to debate, if you want to contend, please, we, we, we can go through it. I'm not sure which side I even stand on it. Get that texture with a crunch bar, a Nestle crunch bar. Can we it's just like it, it, it's like lettuce, except with a better flavor. Because <laughs> lettuce doesn't have flavor. Wait, did you just say a Snickers? Not Snickers, like crunch. A Nestle crunch bar is like lettuce? Yeah. Except <laughs> the fact that it's rice and chocolate. And not. I'm saying it serves the same purpose on a burger as lettuce would. I don't even know if that's true. Ketchup is a vegetable. <laughs> ketchup is a vegetable. There's a lot of sugar in ketchup, though, so I could understand why you'd get confused about whether or not ketchup <laughs> is a candy bar. If you if you put ketchup into a mold and put it in the freezer and let it freeze, is it a candy bar? <laughs> Depends what the mold is. If it's in the mold of a peanut butter cup, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, if if the Detroit Lions draft Derek Brown at number three overall, should we both eat candy burgers on the podcast? Yes. <laughs> yes, we should. And, should, and with the candy be, bar of the other person's choice. Yep. Because right. it it looks like a great pick, but it actually isn't. Surprise. <laughs> Well, Twitch chat, you can clip that and send it to us on draft day if, if the worst happens. <clears throat> All right. We got two more questions here. Do you want do you want a Lions related one or one very specifically tailored to you that's not Lions related at all? Ooh, tailored to me that's not Lions related at all. Okay. Maybe awesome. it's not tailored to you, but it's one that I'm completely unable to answer. So and um, I'm also gonna mispronounce a name. So fair warning. Crossed. Who would you rather build your team around? And I'm assuming this means a basketball team. Maybe you can take it as a football team. Zion Williamson or Luka Doncic? Doncic. That's really close. Dang it. So close. Um, There's something that is really troubling about when I watch Luka Doncic highlights that I'm watching Paul Pierce in 2002, but it's just a more modern version. I think that's like a perfect c comparison for Luke, Luka Doncic's game, except he's even more talented, which is just incredible to think about. Zion Williamson, like it sometimes makes me like 
like cringe when I see him move up and down the floor. It just looks like a, it looks like it could be really painful for him in like two to three years to just get up and down the court. I mean, there's a reason why they tried to rework his running motion and try to get him to learn how to run in a different way because it's causing so much probably like damage to his joints. I don't know. That's a really good question. I think I would pick Luka Doncic. Wow. That seems controversial, but I don't really know because I don't know <laughs> basketball. If I was if I was starting a football team and I need Zion Williamson or Luka Doncic, I need to see both of them throw a football first. <laughs> They're going to be your quarterback. Heck yeah, you're just going to have that many trick plays in your book. Well, they're not trick plays. If I let you know the answer to that question. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Our final question comes from Jerry Graying on Twitter. He asked, as I had an, this is an interesting question because it deals with the trade up, but maybe not the trade up that you'd expect. As I had an article where chase young falls to three, the Lions take him. Then the Lions trade up to seven with Carolina and take Isaiah Simmons as well. Would you be willing to give up two future first rounders and a future third as, as it happens in this article to take two of the best athletes this draft has at positions of need? If Jeff Okuda was at seven, I would do it. But for Isaiah Simmons, no. Interesting. There's no chance in hell I do this move at all no no chance if you needed to keep your job would you trade future first round picks to get jeff okuda because you keep your job for one year maybe maybe i mean we we just got done talking about how if you're relying on a rookie to make a huge impact you're probably not going to have a successful season yeah but what if you have two and they're named (laughs) chase young and jeff okuda (laughs) this is a really interesting thing that will never happen (laughs) Two future first and a third how much how how much did the bears give up for khalil mack i think that's got to be pretty comparable yeah but is is jeff okuda khalil mack is Is isaiah simmons khalil mack no no because khalil mack is khalil mack yeah that's the point (laughs) <laughs> no way you do that. That's no, no. Well, so no. this, so this, I'm, a, and this doesn't, I, I'm curious. I, I haven't read this article. If this also is including trading up as in you're giving away your second round pick. Like, are you moving up from 36 or whatever it is to seven? So then you're giving up your second round pick to first and a future third. That's quite the haul. Yeah. No. Also, yeah, no. I don't. Uh, man, like I hear trade up. I this is maybe one of the worst trade ups I've ever seen. No, this is maybe one of my favorite trade ups that I've never <laughs> considered. <laughs> How can the Lions get Chase Young and Jeff Okuda? Welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> but you know, this is something that I'm going to bring up in the question of the day, and we we can get out of here right after I bring this up. But Truly, once a team gets a franchise quarterback or what they think to be their franchise quarterback, aren't they just always in rebuild mode or like to some varying degree of it? Like every year you should be thinking we got a chance. Like we have, yeah, we have Pat Mahomes or we have Deshaun Watson or we have Russell Wilson 
or we have Lamar Jackson. Do I have a type yet? Um, but like we have, we have our franchise quarterback, like the New Orleans Saints. Every year they had Drew Brees. Aren't they every offseason just retooling and rebuilding to a degree? Like, like on the fly. Like, yeah. shouldn't the Lions be in that same position? Not by trading two first round picks. Please no. Please no. I hate trade ups. I hate trade ups in almost all scenarios. I hate trade ups. And I hate ones them. that involve multiple day one and day two picks. Held to the no. I Held hate them. To the no. I hate them, but we're we're at that point in the off season where I am embracing chaos. I am the literal Elmo gif. Fire! Uh, <laughs> all right. That'll do it for the podcast this week. My glasses are in the wrong position. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned. Later this week, we are going to have a treat for you, which Ryan and I need to discuss a little bit later. Um, a very special guest is going to be joining us, talking about a very somewhat current event from this offseason, um, wanting to clear the air a little bit. So that's your little teaser. Um, be sure to rate and subscribe the podcast. As always, we're going to start reading subs- uh, reading reviews. Um, so make sure you leave one of those. And uh, I think that's all I have to say. So we'll see you later this week. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, mom. No. <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.